Hello, everyone. Welcome to Trust the Process Show, a podcast hosted by me, Chris Reed. This podcast is for you if you are curious about other people and their stories. You believe that you can do more and you consider yourself a lifelong learner. Because on this podcast, I connect with men and women who have decided to put their all into something and succeed and fail along the way. As you listen to these episodes, I ask that you reflect on my guest stories and bring them back to your own. What can you learn from their story? How does their story compare to yours? And what are you going to do differently after this episode? Or what are you going to remain doing the same? Today, I bring to you an interview with a man who at the age of only 30 years old has already done and accomplished so much for himself and his country. His name is Taylor Canfield. Taylor is a former Navy SEAL, where he also became a Navy SEAL canine handler for his now adopted dog, Nico. After he left the SEAL team of 10 years, Taylor left and went now on a mission and kicking ass to be the first former SEAL to become a NASCAR driver. And on top of all of that, he is also head of security at the famous Joe Rogan podcast. Taylor is extremely down to earth and having the chance to share his story with you and his process that he's taken and learned is a real gift. But before I dive into this episode 39 with Taylor Canfield, I'm going to ask you little housekeeping items. If you haven't done so yet, please head over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a five-star review, and a quick comment about what you like about this show. I know there's listeners out there that haven't done this yet, so please take the few minutes to do this. This really helps me grow the show to get a deeper audience and to continue to bring you stories of folks that will inspire you and help you learn to create a more defined process on your path to success. So hit that subscribe button and share this episode with a friend because this episode, ladies and gentlemen, is a good one. So without further ado, for my listeners in North America and the ones in Europe and Australia, I see you all. This one's for you. This is episode 39 with Taylor Canfield. This is Trust the Process Show. Today, I'm being joined by a man by the name of Taylor Canfield. Taylor is a NASCAR driver, former Navy SEAL, founder of the Green Light Society, head of security for the Joe Rogan Experience, and co-owner of The Way Through. Man, that's a lot to say. You've done a lot in your 30 years. Taylor, welcome to uh, to the show here, man. I appreciate you having me. Finally, uh, finally, we got to link up. I think we've been talking about this for uh, a good six or eight months, something like yeah, that. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy how fast time flies by, right? It's uh, next thing I knew, it's like, man, we're like bordering 2020, which is uh, even crazier heading into a, it uh, feels like we just went into the millennium and now we're uh, already into another new decade coming. So, um, yep, a whole new decade. Yeah, man. Well, you know, like, so one thing, like, I kind of like listed off like what you've done, Taylor. And I think uh, 
that's a lot of really great stuff. What I love to ask people too is like, I like to get away from how we say who we are is by what we've done. I'd love to know who you are, just like who you are and not really what you've done. If, if you can let us know about who Taylor Canfield is. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I try and, and be as easygoing as possible. I like to keep, you know, things light when, when it's not necessary to be, you know, super tough. I, uh, you know, the old saying, I'm, I'm my own biggest critic and I really am. So when I'm in a position to be able to keep things light, um, I, you know, anymore, I don't feel like I have to try to do that. You know, I had to, I had to train myself to, to kind of do that for the longest time, um, instead of being super serious all the time. And it really, it kind of helps me keep a perspective on exactly what requires my emotion and attention because, um, you know, emotion can be a very big detractor of, uh, performance. So, you know, if you let, um, too much emotion get involved with something and you get outside of the logical decision area where, you know, logic is no longer, you know, a weapon for you. And, and I like to, you know, weaponize common sense as, as I say it, where, um, you know, you, you give what you got to give to a certain situation and it doesn't, it doesn't come as easily as, you know, just saying it, it takes a lot of experience, um, dealing with high pressure, low pressure situations and, being able to moderate, you know, what I'm putting into those, um, helps me just kind of stay me and not take things so seriously when it's not required. Um, because I am, I'm a pretty fierce competitor and I, I don't like people to think that I'm unapproachable. Um, so being able to, you know, kind of keep my my head out of the clouds and stay down to earth, um, I like to be approachable. I like to be able to, you know, talk and, um, you know, give give a, a real life look on the, you know, the other side of the curtain without, you know, too much bias. Obviously, um, everyone's going to have their own bias, but I try and keep a, a pretty broad perspective on everything. Um, I definitely try not to judge a book by its cover. Um, you know, until I've, I've worked with a person in particular. Um, and I try not to judge a situation by what others tell me, you know, there's obviously valid points that you need, you know, you've got something to learn from everybody that you come across. So, I definitely try and, uh, you know, remain teachable and soak up as much information as possible from people I come across, especially people that um, have a whole lot more experience than me in a particular field. But, you know, it's good to, it's good to, you know, turn that information into tools mm. and put them in a toolbox so you can use them rather than live by, you know, their word. Because kind of like you said, everyone's um, process is going to be different, but there's, you know, a basic framework that I feel is going to be common 
in between all these processes that people have to go through. And I think a big part of that is there's, there's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. And for me, um, it's, you know, we've, we've definitely had some extreme lows and some particularly crazy highs. Uh, and I don't, I can't predict when they're going to come. So, you know, you got to remain objective and say, Hey, this is great right now, but there's still work to be done. And, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to say I'm a, a, you know, a Debbie Downer, but um, you you don't always ride that high, right? So there's going to be lows, and I just try and um, stay relevant to the fact that I know that they're going to come, and so I can handle them better when they do come, and keep that logic uh, in play rather than letting the emotion of the situation come out and make decisions for me because that's a, it's a, a quick way to, you know, undo a lot of work that you've done in the past is by letting emotion make decision for you. So. Yeah. There's, that's a huge truth right there. One of the things that I've done a lot of work on uh, with myself and with uh, people I work with is around that emotional intelligence piece, which is exactly what you're talking about here. It sounds like it's, Emotions really, I mean, they happen. Um, but what I'm hearing from you is that you can accept the emotion, but you're not letting the emotion dictate your actions. And that it almost sounds like what I'm hearing, Taylor, and I'd love to even learn a little bit more where this came from, though, is it sounds like you hold this very present, uh, being present in, in any situation that you are. And it sounds like having that presence to that moment uh, allows you to kind of have that even keel so it's not so many highs and low spikes. Is that, is that accurate what I'm hearing there? Yeah, I think, um, and I, I think a lot of, you know, my outward projection is picked up by, you know, my team and people that surround me in my life. So I, I attempt to do my best at staying even keeled um, because, you know, attitude can be contagious and it, it is very contagious. And if you can breed um, calmness and logic into a team, I think that can really propel you and your team forward rather than, you know, if they're seeing you as a leader. Um, break down under certain situations um, it can take that confidence away and you know I'm not going to say you're going to regress particularly but you may not progress as quickly as you might um, if you had learned to you know keep that you know like you said emotional intelligence in check where you do have to be able to read a situation and I think for me um, you know, over this past 10, 12, 13 years since um, I enlisted and went through SEAL training, after I had done that, it was a lot about learning to read a situation and realize that, you know, other people are feeling more or less strongly than you are about the situation. 
and that emotional intelligence comes into play on being able to read that. Um, and on certain situations, you do have to reflect, you know, kind of what that other person is feeling. Um, an example uh, in a race, you know, if um, if I screw up, you know, as a driver, you know, in a newer team um, such as we just experienced uh, in Phoenix, our most recent race, last race of the season, um, I hit the wall during practice because I, I think I was getting a little overzealous. I got a little bit too comfortable. Um, and as soon as I hit that wall, I was beating myself up. Mm. And to be able to show your team um, that you're, you know, you're remorseful for, you know, screwing up, you got to be able to read the emotion of everyone else so that you don't look cocky or you don't look overly emotional. You know, cocky would come in if you if you drive into the pits and, and walk away and say, Hey, fix it. So we can get back out on the racetrack. That's, you know, that's kind of a cocky. Whereas if you come into the pits and you're just stressed out and, you know, throwing stuff, that's, I think being overly emotional to the situation. So you got to be able to read um, what everyone else is kind of looking to get out of you, give some of it, but also keep yourself in check. It's not, it's not an easy process and it's not, learned quickly it's learned over many many you know experiences um through ups and downs and you know being able to keep looking at yourself in the situation and making sure you know you control what you're thinking and and stay you know forwardly focused on the goal um because you're not always going to be right. And, you know, so you got to be teachable and you got to be able to absorb the information that's, that's coming in um, and really be your best regardless of circumstance. And again, it took me a long time to learn that. And I'm still not even, you know, anywhere near the top of, you know, knowing this subject or being a subject matter expert but kind of reflecting on what I have learned so far um, as a leader, you're expected to be your best regardless of circumstance. And that takes, you know, all of this um, self-moderation into account and, you know, outwardly projecting it correctly so that your team gets the correct read and motivation um, it's, it's complicated, you know, I'm sure as, I'm sure as you know, coaching, um, larger executive teams that you're maybe not as intimate with as I am with my race team, you know, um, on any particular race team, um, even if you're racing together for the first time, you've had practice, you've had, you know, qualifying, you've had time together, whereas you kind of come into these situations a little bit um, disconnected and, you know, still have to be able to, you know, put the right word and the right emotion out to be able to motivate the team. So I'm sure that's something you've experienced before. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know what I love about that, man, is um, 
what you're doing here, it's, it's like, to me, the definition of like true leadership within a team. Um, leadership isn't really so much about telling people you know, what to do. There's a lot more elements of that. And it's even what's not being said is what I'm hearing with you and your team is how can you read the situation? Because everyone, like you, you mentioned, is we're all different in the way we handle different situations. And it almost, and maybe you could tell me a little bit about this, because you, you mentioned this a few times, like this took you a long time to learn and you're still not, well, even call it old. I mean, you, you probably feel, you felt it at some point this year because you just turned 30. And I know when I turned 30, I had that moment of like, fuck, I'm old. Um, but really in the grand scheme, we're not that old yet. So when you joined the SEAL team and went through BUDS and all that, is this where that emotion to understand the situation and to handle this, was this some, a skill that you really fostered and learned during your time in service? Or where did this skill set that you've been developing that you've now moved into your uh, racing team, where did that start? And where was kind of that that first moment of maybe failure or really a big win um, with this skill set? You know, I think uh, if I, you know, and, and self-reflection for me has become a pretty big um, motivator to, you know, look back and see or really self-evaluate um, and correct myself. But, I think it all came really, you know, halfway to three quarters of the way through my service is when I kind of started realizing it. Um, you know, what, you go through SEAL training, you get into a platoon, you do your first deployment. And even after your first deployment, uh, you kind of still have the blinders on, so to speak, where it's, it's still a little bit tunnel vision. Obviously, it's not anywhere near what you were seeing as a student which is very narrow. You know, you've got one goal and you know how to get there. You just can't quit. Um, you have to perform as well, but there's not a whole lot of uh, aspects that come into getting through the training. Whereas once you get out of that training um, and get some experience under your belt, you're able to take off the blinders as we call it and really see the whole situation instead of just a part of the situation and you know I think it came a lot to me after you know one of my deployments I I was really really depressed man it was it was just kind of a low time for me um I can't say that there was you know a specific trigger there was you know there's relationship problems there was um you know, stress at work, all this other stuff. But as a, as a combination, it really um, kind of put me into this low part and, you know, it, it takes um, a level of honesty that's, you know, it's hard to imagine. There's, there's really, there's nothing easy about realizing the one that you're the one that's holding, been holding you back the whole time, you know, so you got to, really be honest with yourself and look at hey what what are what's the root cause of this stuff and you know 99 percent of the time you can find that you have something to do with it so mm. there's a level of honesty that's required to be able to get your shit together and really start moving in the right direction and that was kind of the moment for me um, where I started really 
getting into self-reflection and looking back at situations objectively as unbiased as possible and see what really happened. And I found a lot of it was my mistakes um, that were setting me back. And, you know, the, the time you spend blaming someone else, you could have already, you know, got what you wanted. Right. So that was a big part of me learning and growing as a person um, was finding that ability um, of honesty and self-reflection with myself. And it really started propelling me forward once, you know, and it, and it improved um, a lot of aspects of my life. I'd, I'd, I'd be um, confident in saying it improved every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to move forward and uh, be a, a better me, a better leader, a better partner, better friend, better family member. So, um, and, and I'm like, like I said, I'm still not there. I've got a whole lot more learning, um, to do, and that's not even outside. I've still got a whole lot to learn about myself, but, um, it never stops. So, you know, the second you think, you know, everything is, is the, the moment in time where, um, you will no longer be on the right path to being the greatest at something or, or a champion or a better person. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta keep that in mind cause it's a very, it's a very easy thing to say, but it's a very serious, um, you know, implication behind it that, yeah, you know, you gotta stay humble for one. That's, that's huge. Um, and adversity for me has definitely, kept me humble and I think that's probably a big reason I keep seeking <laughs> adversity I keep really looking for the next hardest thing that I can do um and and trying to go out and conquer it and keeping the vision alive with goals um you know your mindset has got to be right uh and it's all just a big um culmination of self-reflection for me that lets me you know move forward and improve myself um and you can be your own teacher as well you know it doesn't every bit of knowledge that you've gained doesn't have to come from the out a lot of it's going to come from the outside but a lot of it's going to come from you as well teaching yourself but if you're not able to step back and say hey I'm actually the root cause of why I'm not moving forward right now. And, you know, take that hard look. It's going to be extremely difficult to achieve your goals. Mm -hmm. That is like the lesson right there. And I think what I, what I hear, man, it's like the honesty, there's accountability to yourself for the people around you versus them being accountable to you. So there's that kind of switch I almost hear. And then just like ownership to yourself and really just owning where you're at. Um, if you don't deal with it, I think a lot of people happen, this happens and it, it, I think it becomes easy for some, for many that uh, instead of owning it or dealing with it or looking at it head on, uh, we can start, it's easier to shift blame. It's easier to really kind of sit back into that victimhood, whether how severe that victimhood may be. Um, but if we don't deal with that shit inside, it, it does lead to things like I'm sure you're saying 
you know, being depressed after a deployment or whoever this may be, there is those down moments, but the more you sit in that, uh, of an ownership to your own feelings, emotions, and, and actions, um, it's really tough to move forward. So I appreciate uh, your honesty there. Now, when you kind of mentioned when you kind of really took that level, when when was that? How, like that first moment after that deployment when you're in that kind of down spin and had to really kind of look at yourself, how many years uh, into the the teams were you? Um, let me think. That was probably, that was probably four or five years in. Okay. Um, I think, I remember right, that was after my, that was after my second deployment, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely an all time low for me. And, you know, it took, it took me realizing that I was trying to hide in a comfort zone for the longest time to, to fix it. And eventually seeing that it's not from your comfort zone that, that the fix is going to come, you know, great, great things have never come from comfort zones. <laughs> so it really took me, um, you know, kicking myself in the ass and taking that hard look and saying, listen, um, you're, you're holding yourself back right now. There is nobody else. You've got all the resources you need, whether you see them or not, they're there. Um, you know, some of them might take a little bit of work, but you've got everything you need to be successful. And if you're not successful or at least working towards being successful, uh, you're the cause of that. Um, so, and everyone's situation is different. So I don't want, you know, somebody listening to think, Oh, well, my, my situation you don't know my situation, right? I don't know your situation, but, um, I also, I'm, you know, as far as my emotional states go, I'm kind of a private person. I don't let a lot of that on the outside and there's, you know, everyone's fighting battles that you can't see. Um, and it might come off that I haven't fought, you know, many of these battles because, you know, I try and stay, uh, lighthearted in in the times that it's appropriate but um you know kindness is has never hurt anybody and it doesn't cost me anything so i try and be you know as as kind as i can but um also knowing that um people are also fighting battles and it's everyone's situation is going to require a unique and different approach, but kind of like I was saying earlier, there is a basic um, framework and it's, it's relatively simple um, that you need to know everyone can use to get to their goals as different as the path getting you there may be. So it's um, keeping that in mind for, you know, for somebody listening that uh, I don't have the, you know, exact, path laid out for you um but there's a lot of tools you can use to get there and an ultimate framework that you can reflect off of and you know get to where you want to be and that's that's important right i think and that's that's what i really try to emphasize on this is that we don't need to replicate what other people do because that's 
their journey, but what are some of the, the core values or lessons that we can take from someone? And even you probably, you probably had some people you looked up to in the, in the teams or even in, in NASCAR or just in life in general. But, you know, the big thing that I'm hearing for you, man, and like that kind of framework, that word you go back to, and I really like that because it really is a, a framework, um, is this honesty, accountability, and ownership to just your side of the street. And having that empathy and that understanding with other people that like, shit is happening and we need to accept that and um it is okay to be kind it doesn't make you softer it doesn't make you uh any less able because i think there's this whole stigma that being tough and hard you have to be an asshole and that's completely bullshit um so it's cool to get that that kind of view of you because i think for for many you think of this kind of like really soft hard military vet you do seem like a very down to earth, gentle, kind, emotionally in check dude. And that, and that that's really, uh, it's actually cool to see that. Yeah. And I think uh, maybe a lot of people get the wrong perception from, you know, other um, special operations guys have gotten out or even, um, you know, the Gary V's of the world who are very, they're very blunt and, um, kind of harsh in, in what they're saying. Um, there's other ways to put it. I look for those other ways of phrasing things um, to, to get the same message across. Uh, though there are times, you know, that's necessary. Um, but again, it comes back to that, you know, kind of like what you were saying, emotional intelligence of being able to read the situation, um, you know, that transformational leadership where you can, you know, you can transform your leadership for the situation that's best going to be able to produce results rather than, um, you know, the same leadership style does not work for every team. And that could literally come down to, you know, there's no NASCAR driver that goes through his career with the same exact dude the entire time. There's no operator that goes through his entire career career with the same dudes and there's no um you know business leader that goes through their entire career with the same people so knowing that uh you know you're gonna have to change your your tone and your leadership style doesn't mean that it's going to be any less effective and for me personally i've found that um it keeps me happier as a person not having to be you know that hard ass dude that's always putting out these super hard motivational you know quotes and all this other stuff it right. does, it really doesn't work for me it doesn't feel real to me um because if i had to be that person every single day of my life i don't think i'd be happy to be honest with you and i don't know if these other guys are you know i i don't it, it, I don't it, it almost to, to me it feels exhausting for some of these guys oh to, yeah like it is it's a lot of energy output, which, and I think you need in moments. You can, you can still lead and have passion, uh, but there's these moments of passion. Maybe it's before a race for you. Tell me if there is these opportunities, but I'm sure there is moments where that passion does rise for you, but it doesn't have to be that every single time. And I think that's what I'm hearing is too, is like, it's okay to adjust and change because your team is going to change and evolve. And to think that 
your style, one style is going to work for every single person that comes and goes in the different teams that you're a part of, whether it be racing, military, relationships, family, these things are all different. So we can't expect everyone else around us to fit into our mold. And that's what I'm hearing you is this really kind of connecting the people around you and understanding what that relationship needs to be in that particular situation. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, I think if you're, if you're strictly um, a one style leader or one style person, you'll find it um, a whole lot more difficult to be flexible and, you know, be able to overcome the adversity that's presented to you because we're all going to have it. Uh, it comes in different forms, um, comes in different severities, but you got to know it's going to happen. And the more flexible you are uh, to be able to, you know, move around the situation or, or get through it, um, the easier you'll find the situations become, even if it's the same severity as what happened last year or two years or 10 years ago. Um, if you can keep teaching yourself and keep that, uh, you know, introspection going that the situations, um, may not be, you know, the overall thing may not be easier, but how you process it and how, how you um, move with it and around it becomes easier and quicker and more efficient. And ultimately, um, you know, a, a cliff may turn into just a bump in the road, um, you know, when you go back and look at it. So, and a lot of it comes down to, you know, the, the process as a whole is made up of a ton of, you know, smaller bits and, you know, everyone's got bad habits in there and, it really takes um, breaking those small habits to push past that mental barrier. And, and once you discover how to do that, um, you'll see that it's actually contagious to, mm -hmm. to want to do that, to, to correct yourself, um, to find new paths to, you know, lead or conquer situations and um it really it really does become contagious that's one certainty i can speak to is once you learn how to break you know these mental barriers it's extremely contagious and after that achievements are limitless um you know that again it's not going to be an easy thing those achievements aren't aren't going to be you know, just handed to you, you, you still have to put in the work for that. But, um, I mean, really your potential becomes limitless once you discover that and you feel it and it's not easy getting there, but know that there is, you know, a payoff in the end for that. Um, pushing yourself through those situations, um, and, and coming out on top. So, you know, got to get out of that comfort zone. Yeah. So was that for you then really like breaking those habits and you kind of mentioned like once you learn how to do that, um, what does that mean to you? So when did you learn and how do you continue to, because again, you mentioned earlier, this is a constant thing you have to work on. It's not like you did a course and then you're like, okay, I'm done. 
then not have to worry about anymore. I'm sure that's something you continue to have to work through yourself. So how do you really identify those habits, those barriers? And what does that look like for you to kind of break them down? You mentioned there's some self-reflection. Are there any things that you do to really reflect on those to break those down? Yeah, it's, um, it's a very perishable skill. Um, knowledge as a whole is, is very perishable. So continually maintaining and upgrading what you have is essential. And for me, it's really kind of the quest and knowing that there will be payoff is in the end is what keeps me motivated to keep going you know, hitting that next benchmark, hitting that next goal. Um, and, you know, really seeing yourself move through um, life and come out as a better person than when you started the, the previous year or the year before that. Um, it's that, that payoff for me that, that kind of keeps me going and wanting more. Um, and again, like I said, getting to that point, being able to break the mental barrier on something is, is very, very tough. I know buds for me is what, um, and I, and it was, I can tell you the exact point in time. So if you're wondering, I wonder if I've ever, you know, um, been able to do that or if I, if I know that, um, for me, you know, it's very distinct in my head. I can replay it like it was yesterday or just an hour ago. Um, it was during buds. It was during first phase. So this is 2007, maybe beginning of 2008. Um, and I was on a run, you know, a time, a four mile timed run. And I had never ran before I went into buds. I joined cross country three weeks before I shipped out to boot camp, thinking, oh, no way, really? Gonna, oh, yeah. No, I'm dead serious, man. I, I try, I don't know what I was thinking. But again, it goes to show that um, there, there are mental barriers that you're not aware of that um, could propel you so far. And for me, it was this mental barrier that I was not a fast runner, or I couldn't get something done on the run, you know, within a certain amount of time. And so we were on this run. Um, we hit the, the two mile point, which is our turnaround point. And I was freaking exhausted. It was, it was terrible. Um, I felt my body just dying slowly. And uh, one of my instructors was riding next to me in the truck um, yelling at me through a bolt. I mean, couldn't have been more than a couple feet away from my face, you know, and, and driving in a truck, yelling at me through a bullhorn and all this time I'm thinking, wow, like you, you don't, you don't understand what I'm going through, but, um, I was sorely mistaken, you know, um, again, people fight battles you don't know about and came, came to find out the history of that particular instructor. And it was, mind-blowing um what they accomplished and this was obviously after the fact but on that run um you know i and for me it came through being so mad that i just i think you know had to overly motivate myself and and caught this second wind and started catching more people 
um, throughout throughout the run and actually turned out to be a decent runner after that. I mean, it, from then on out, um, I didn't struggle on the runs. I still wasn't the best runner that we ever had, but I was no longer in the, uh, you know, the worry zone of failing for that evolution. And it was, I mean, it was an incredible feeling to, to know that it was really my mind um, holding me back. The human body is capable of so much more mm -hmm. than, than what you think it is. I mean, you, you look at these tales of, um, you know, incredible humans throughout history doing um, mind boggling things. Right. And it, it comes in a time of um, that person pushing themselves past a mental barrier that says I can't. And, you know, once you realize that you can and you are capable of it, you just have to get yourself there and that your mind in that situation is really your biggest enemy. Um, the words I can't are, you know, a very um, powerful couple of words that can hold you back from a lot. And once you're able to push past that, um, if, like I said, you find that your ability to achieve is almost limitless. It doesn't come easy, but um, you, you then know uh, that you're capable of so much more than you thought. And it's, it makes it easy to be great, you know, in this day and age where there's so many um, humans looking for instant gratification and while we can get that through things such as a cell phone or, you know, internet, um, it's not, in my particular opinion, um, those instant gratification scenarios that make um, a person great. And once somebody develops a habit of looking for that instant gratification and knowing they can get it, um, that, that then becomes their goals. You know, it's not anything hard anymore. Um, they don't, they don't continue to push themselves. So, um, for me, I look at what is going to be just the most grueling, um, ball dragging thing I can do right now. And, and taking that on as an obstacle and, uh, you know, pushing through it to, to achieve my goal of getting whatever that, you know, set thing was. And it becomes, uh, very very powerful weapon um for myself to be able to use to accomplish goals mm. it so it really is that moment um because I, I i was that in buds sorry when you did that run or was that just basic training no nope, that was in buds buds okay um yeah i feel like there's that, that moment in life for so many people and it sounds like that was probably it where it's like this light switch goes on of like, holy shit, I can do this. And like, you're basically just taking that one T off that word from can, can't to can. And it, it's amazing how the language we use as humans can be such a massive effect on us, either negative or positively. Um, and for you, it's something like once you did that kind of run and you hit that moment, it was just like almost going back to that, uh, that contagious thing of like, wow, that was amazing. Okay, what can I do now? What can I do even harder? 
and always looking to put yourself in that situation. I know I was in a similar one. I wasn't, I was in the Canadian Navy um, and basic training for me was kind of that moment when I realized like, holy shit, I can do more than I expected. And I remember I was doing push-ups, and there was, there was dudes, I don't know about you, but when I was there, there was dudes like not doing all the, they weren't pushing everything out. They were maybe doing, when they said do 20, they were doing 17. But I made this commitment to myself when I went in there, I was going to be like, I'm going to do everything that they say. And regardless of on the first or the last, I'm just going to fucking do it. And I remember there was that moment I did these push-ups, and I was the last one. They were all waiting. But I remember pushing that last one up. My arms were shaking. And it was just like the one instructor looked at me and he was just like, Reed was the only guy who didn't fucking uh, cheat. And for me, that was that moment of like, holy shit, I can do this. And it's not about finishing first, but it's about, and I'm hearing in your story, it's just about finishing to the point that you didn't think you could actually finish. And those moments are those growing kind of foundation blocks that we have down to our core that really help us move forward. And if we don't put ourselves in those positions to have that opportunity to grow that building block then we stay in this spot of never getting uncomfortable never doing anything that we like and we just sit stuck and that's what I'm hearing from you yeah 100 percent. and again it's um <laughs> it's not and I'm not saying everyone has to go through you know buds to get this you know uh, moment of realization and it may not be a, just a, per, a singular moment of realization for somebody um, again I, you know everyone's situations are unique but one thing you can count on is you are going to have to push yourself um, so far beyond what you thought you're capable of to get to that point that you know you know it's it's gonna be painful um, but pain is temporary you know it may last a minute or an hour or a year but it will subside and something else will take its place but if you quit uh you know that really will never go away and for me it's that motivation of knowing hey this is you know what i'm feeling um this pain that i'm feeling is temporary mm. and i kind of use that as a motivation like i know this isn't going to be forever so let's let's see how much further I can, you know, I can push this, um, how much more I can achieve in this um, tumultuous time of, uh, you know, pain and, and emotion and all this other stuff. Um, and that's, you know, the times that have really set my mentality apart from others in a, in a certain situation outside of that where they may say, you know what, this is uh, this is too much pain or, you know, this is not worth it, whatever. Um, and, you know, that's, that's just the point that I want to keep going even further. So, um, but now I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying go set yourself on fire and see how long you can, uh, <laughs> you know, resist the flames. Right. So that comes back into common sense. You got to weaponize common sense and, um, you know, there's certain situations. If we're if we're putting the motivational stuff aside, you can't put yourself in danger um, of you know the the ultimate um, you know price, which is you know paying with your life. And while um, you know there's a gazillion members of our military who have put themselves in that situation, 
and ultimately some who have paid with their life. Uh, you know, I'm eternally grateful for that. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things you got to stay, um, you know, sensible about what you're doing. Um, but be able to push yourself as hard as you can inside, you know, that, that certain time or situation. And, um, you're not always going to be able to pick that. Sometimes, you know, these downtimes are going to pick you and it's in those times that you, you gotta, you know, roll with the punches, realize, um, you're going to be okay and that it's, it's temporary. Um, so, you know, fight it as hard as you can while you're in there and come out a better person on the other side. Mm -hmm. Well said. Um, so with this framework that you've developed for this process, Taylor's process into what you do, um, it sounds like, or tell me has once this taking this kind of mindset, this framework, does that allow you to have more opportunities open up for you because you're willing to put yourself in any situation to do that versus it sounds like if we don't do that we have that limit and then we may not actually see where those opportunities are because they may be beyond our comfort zone or that limit and subconsciously we're not looking that far ahead so for you how has that now changed things for you because now like you said we're you're 30 years old you got this this great decade ahead of you what is this next decade want? What do you want from this? And where are you headed that you're going to use what you've learned to date, this framework you've built? Where is Taylor off to now? What does that look like in the future for you? Yeah. So, um, for me personally, um, one of my biggest and probably, you know, one out of two singular biggest problems that I've encountered um, transitioning from the military into racing NASCAR is a budget, right? So, um, in the military, if you can, um, you know, stay quiet, uh, do your job well, uh, you're, you're, you're good to go. Right. Well, in, in NASCAR, it requires, you know, my new biggest obstacle is this budget. Um, so a lot of my competitors, um, have the budget to be able to afford the best equipment and, uh, you know, the best training and all this other stuff. Well, one of my big sayings is, um, you know, they may outspend us, but they'll never outwork us. And ultimately for me, you know, the work put in is really what's going to be the result coming out on the other end. And, while I may be down on chips, um, currently in that, you know, um, physicality, you know, the monetary side of, of a budget, I'm rich in knowing that, um, I'm going to outwork them and that's how I level the playing field. And it's going to take time for me. I know this, um, you know, again, nothing good comes easier from your comfort, comfort zone. So I know it's going to take um, a long time. It's going to be a full process of its own. I, I'm kind of almost starting over again. And, um, you know, I feel the same feelings of starting in buds and going through buds and seal training that, you know, um, 
there's there's obstacles that you're not going to expect you're not going to see them coming um and your ability to adapt to those situations and use them to your favor with hard work is really kind of what's set me apart and, and put me um back in the playing field of you know all these bigger budget teams and so for me coming out of i mean if i'm looking a decade out I would love, you know, like I said, <laughs> I put you off for, you know, an hour and a half because I was watching the uh, the championship NASCAR race here for 2019. <laughs> um, if I'm looking 10 years out, I would love to be competing for that championship. You know, in yeah. 10 years, I'd love for, for people to, to be able to come back and be like, holy cow, 10 years ago, um, he was on, you know, Chris's podcast talking about this. Now there yeah. he is doing it. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I want I want to show people um that, you know you can you can do whatever the heck you put your mind to. Um it's not gonna be easy at all, but you can get there. Um short term wise is really a culmination of everything that we've talked about so far is improving myself little by little by little to be the best that I can. I you know along with budget comes, you know, certain, um, commodities that, um, you know, the, the bigger budget teams can afford that I can't. So I really look at what I can control here and now in present time with, without the budget. And a lot of those are the same thing. And that's, you know, how much, how much work am I putting into this? Um, and I can outwork them and it, you know, it, it levels the playing field for me. So that's definitely something, um, you know, small goals for me over the next 10 years of progressing series, um, continually getting more sponsorship, more partners on board, more strategic partners, um, to, to be able to, you know, fight with the big teams and be in that underdog position and come out on top is, you know, it's a great feeling that, um, I love pursuing and it's, it's kind of really all the, the excitement of that pursuit that, um, is keeping me going right now. And, you know, we've got plenty of, <laughs> plenty of low times ahead of us, plenty of high times. Um, you know, I look forward to all of them because I've, you know, I've learned more in my low times than, than high times have ever taught me. So, um, you know, you got to keep that objective um, outlook on, you know, your journey to your goal and know that um, as long as you are putting in the work and you're learning, um, you'll eventually get there. So mm -hmm. it's amazing. Those low times, uh, just thinking about them, at least for me, I can only speak for myself, but thinking of these low times, there's like this, like, ah, oh, it's going to suck. And then there's that other part of me that like, I've, I've trained myself sounds like you too, but uh, doing, sh you know, hard things. And like, the more you practice doing things that suck, the, when things suck come, they don't suck as bad. I don't know if that is kind of a rambling on there a little bit and saying suck a lot, but basically it, it really is allowing those moments. And if you can just like learn to embrace them, once you get through them, it really is this moment of like, God, I'm really glad that actually happened because I now know this, or I now can do this. And, and you know what I mean? So it, it's interesting, this whole like love hate relationship for those moments for me, at least. Oh yeah. And 
you can, I mean, you can literally love and hate that moment within a few seconds of each other. Um, and it's, you know, it's an emotional roller coaster. And uh, again, for me, it comes back to um, being able to keep that all in check, use it when it's necessary, um, control it when it's not, um, and, and teach myself throughout the whole thing that, um, you know, the, the limits for someone's potential are, you know, they're infinite. And a lot of what we think are the upper limits for our potential are kind of really just constructs that we create to, to conveniently benchmark our goals to, so that we say, Hey, I'll, you know, I, I've got this holding me down. I, I, I've, I've done a lot with what I've got. I'm good enough with that. You know, um, mm-hmm. I'm never good enough with that. There's, there's a level of contentment that, um, you know, definitely affects my life, um, both, both person personally and professionally where, um, you know, I'm just not content with, um, you know, okay or good enough. I want, you know, I always want the best. Um, and I always continually seek that best. Um, and it's, you know, it's affected, like I said, my life personally and professionally, but it's, you know, um, a decision you have to sit down and talk with yourself and make yourself. There's not, you know, there's not one single person that can tell you, um, yes, you should do this or no, you shouldn't. Yes, this is good for you. No, this is not. Um, it comes down to you as an individual, um, that, you know, teaches yourself all of that. And, you know, I think that's something to keep in your, in your back pocket. Um, next time you go to, to conquer something that, Nobody in particular can tell can tell you yes, go do this or don't. Um, I don't think anybody is ever particularly truly ready to to start something that they may fear or that seems like you know a huge um, hurdle or a big goal. And you you know you can't train for all the the frictions that life will throw at you. But that's, you know, it's no reason not to step into the arena and and make it happen anyway. So, you know, for me, when when I transitioned out, I was looking at NASCAR as this. I mean, it has never been done before. There's never been somebody to go, you know, from active duty military and, um, you know, climb all the way to the top ranks of NASCAR. So there was no there was no path. There was no um blueprint or anything like trail that. for me to follow right so it's me literally blazing this trail and and kind of making it up as i go um but was i truly ready for that no there was a whole lot that i know <laughs> what about my my financial stability which was a, a huge one and it still is um you know right now me and me and the dog are uh um traveling in the RV and we, we stay out of the RV a hundred percent of our time right now. And is it what I, you know, 10 years ago, maybe did I see myself, you know, at 30, um, living in the RV with my dog traveling, doing NASCAR, you better believe I didn't see that for myself. (laughs) Um, but again, going back to 
the name of the show. It's, you know, it's part of the process and you got to trust that process. Yeah. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm having the time of my life right now. Um, and I really, you know, I take what people have to say about me with, with a grain of salt. Um, I try and take lessons from it. You know, if you got your haters out there, um, you know, Hey, listen to what they're saying and, and try and pull a lesson out of it. But, uh, it's not necessarily, you know, what's, what's wrong. You know, what they're saying isn't necessarily the truth, but there's definitely, you know, things that you can learn from that negative stuff being said out in the world. So, um, again, remain objective to that and learn from it and, uh, nobody can stop you. Yeah. And that's, that's true, man. And it's, it really is whatever people say, it doesn't, it may be their truth. And I think that's okay. If, if someone wants to think, I always think about that for myself. If someone wants to think a certain way about me, well, one love to know why. And, and two, it doesn't make it my truth. It doesn't mean what they're saying is, is what is my truth. It's just with how they see it. And, you know, I, I think they're allowed to feel what they think. And, you know, if they're a real asshole, then, well, I don't have to talk to them. So I get to choose how I want to be about that situation. That sounds like what you're doing. Um, you know, with, with all this too, and I think it's actually kind of cool. Um, just kind of looking into your life. And so you're living in your RV, you got a one, you got a wicked dog, your dog also, I believe served with <laughs> you, correct? Yeah. So that was, uh, he was my military working dog, my last deployment in Afghanistan. And I was lucky enough to be able to adopt him. Um, so that cool, was man. a process of its own, but you know, here we are, uh, five, six years later. And, and now, um, you know, we're, I mean, we're, we're our own little team over here and it's pretty, it's pretty cool. He's snoozing hardcore over there right now, not yeah. paying attention to me, but <laughs> his name's Nico. Is that right? Yep. That's Nico. And, that's uh, super cool, man. Um, he is, um, yeah, he's held me together a lot for sure. Dogs are fun that way. It's actually before we even got on here, I spent, uh, I had my own battle. I have a Rottweiler. Um, her name's Ruby. And I spent, uh, not that she hates it, but I don't know about you with Nico, but cleaning them, like having a shower. I don't know what you'd even do in the RV, but I had to shower her today because in our backyard, she likes to do this like sliding down the hill in the mud <laughs> thing, which is super fun to watch and another not so fun thing to have come running through the house. Um, but she, they really are this amazing companion and I don't think I could ever go through life without having a companion like that because there are those moments where I always think about this too like if, if I were to live like a dog and this what I mean by this is like they are so present they they are always happy they love the people they're around and you know those if you kind of take a lesson from like these dogs too you're like man like I can they just love being around me because they like they like me and they like to eat and sleep. And it's like, that's a good life. What's the lesson I can learn <laughs> from these dogs, you know? Um, so it's cool that you have think, that companion on the road with you. Yeah. And I think, you know, a big lesson I learned from him is basic necessity kind of things where um, this whole, again, this whole situation about I, I'm living out of an RV right now. Um, but what do we still have? We have our basic necessities. And when that, when I see that dude, um, 
he doesn't even need all this. If we could be sleeping in a tent and that dude could be <laughs> as happy as a pig in shit. Yeah, as yeah. long as he's got, you know, his food, um, his dad and some toys. I, man, this, I, he, he couldn't be any happier. And it, you know, it teaches me to look at, um, you know, the overall outlook of my current situation saying, Hey, we're making some sacrifices now so that we can benefit, um, down the road. And it really comes down to, you really don't need all that much to, to get the work done. You know, there's, again, if you look at one of these bigger budget teams in NASCAR, um, if they got their budget cut in half, which ours is, you know, we're, we're running on maybe a quarter or an eighth of the budget that they're running on. Wow. If you cut that team's budget in half, they would be like, we can't do this. We can't do it. We can't do it with half the budget. And you give us half their budget. And we're like, hey, we're about to go win a championship. You watch this, you know? So yeah. it really, it, it keeps all that in perspective for me. Um, looking at, you know, the dog living his life. And I'm like, you know, we can, we can do a whole lot more with a whole lot less. Um, it's going to be harder work, but it's still possible. So, um, you know, I think that's definitely a big lesson I've learned from him since we've re reconnected and I got to adopt him and, you know, live with him 24 <laughs> seven. <laughs> yeah. So it's cool. Man. I love it. I, I love the the pics you got with them and, um, you know, and what is it like, you know, with, you know, where your situation is at, you still have, you do work at with the Rogan experience. What is that also like? Cause I, I've seen, you know, when I first saw that, I mean, I saw that picture with Dan Aykroyd and one, I just saw that I was totally geeked out. Cause I'm like the world's biggest Ghostbusters fan. And I was like, Holy shit. Just like ultimate jealousy when I saw the picture with you and him. And then you said, I sent you a message. Like, where did you see Dan? And you mentioned you 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 worked at the Rogan. Uh, experience and so what is that like being around a guy like that and these guests too that are doing amazing things does that help you being around these types of people also drive you or how does that experience working over there uh, help you also with your NASCAR or does it even help you at all yeah no it definitely helps what I think it does um, personally is it just it gives me more examples to look at um yeah. you know somebody listening might be like well i don't work there so how am i supposed to you know get this i don't i don't derive my inspiration strictly from these people i've i've been doing it far before i you know um was working there um and it comes from everyday people uh you know the people that you surround yourself with you can derive so much inspiration from so i think that's you know important to um, you know, choose who you surround yourself with and, uh, you know, pull that inspiration from them or, or try to, um, and, and it's not always going to come from everybody. It may come from certain people, but so I think that, um, gives me more, um, more people to pull inspiration from and see what they've done and hear their stories where they've come from. And it's a whole lot it's a whole lot of, you know, the same inspirational stories you already hear you know, a lot of them started in a tough place and they worked through it. It wasn't, it wasn't any one um, handout that got them to where they're at. They worked their asses off to get where they're at. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a whole lot more success stories that you and I don't even know about totally. um, that have already happened that are happening currently and that will happen in the future. 
Um, you know, these are just a few examples um, of success stories, but you know, it really all comes down to um, putting in the work and pushing yourself past those mental barriers of the I can'ts and just getting it done. Um, nobody's going to do the work for you. It's, it's you that has to do the work. Nobody can fix your situation except for you. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been totally great. Um, seeing even more examples of inspiration and, you know, being around a caliber of people that, um, inspire me, you know, daily to, to achieve something great. And it's been, yeah, it's been awesome. What's it like working with, uh, with Joe? I mean, even you look at a guy like that. I mean, I saw a video the other day, um, on the internet, it was like his first commentary at the UFC. And it was like going back years. Um, but I kind of had me reflect on that guy. Cause I, I really respect what that guy has been able to do just from like where he's gone and just the impact he's making on the world. So is it, is he a fairly, uh, like, are you close with him? Has he been a, a kind of a, a mentor in any sense of, of what he's done to, to help you with, uh, I know he's a, a big sponsor on your car there. Uh, has he been a supportive role for you to, in this path uh, that you've now taken on with NASCAR? Yeah, absolutely. He's been supportive and it's been, um, you know, in, in verbal and nonverbal ways as far as just, um, you know, kind of allowing me to soak in the environment, I suppose. And he's got a very, very similar outlook where, um, you know, the, the work is only going to be done by you. Um, so, you know, don't be relying on other people to do the work for you. It's, it comes down to you. And that's not to say um, that you are going to accomplish everything by yourself. It takes, you know, it takes a team, whether you, whether you want to admit it or not, um, there's no, um, you know, R&B artist, there's no pro football player, there's no military member that's accomplished great things without a team um, helping them get to that point. So don't ever be, um, you know, so conceited that you think um, you're going to do it all by yourself. You, you got to have support. And again, it comes from you choosing who that support network is going to be, you know, who you surround yourself with. Um, if you're, if you're hanging out with deadbeats, well, uh, there's a good chance that they're not going to be of any support to you. Um, whereas if you start, you know, surrounding yourself with people that um, you want to be like, there's a much, much better chance of you being able to achieve what you want, what, what you saw in that person. So um, being around Joe is, you know, uh, great just to, just to be able to see the same work ethic and the same mentality because he's got, you know, so much more going on than um, just the podcast and just UFC commentating. You know, he, he's got the same level of addiction to success that um, mm-hmm. I have. And it's, it's really awesome to see that, um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's very, very tough to get burned out once you um, achieve that level of um, 
achievement, as weird as that sounds. Um, no, totally. Well, it sounds like it's just the more intentional you can be with your time and who you're spending that time with. I mean, there's that old kind of saying, I think you're the average of the five most, the top five people you hang around or put yourself around. And I think it, there is so much truth behind that. And yeah, you know, people may look at a guy like you, I mean, you're, you're fortunate you get to be around a guy like Joe, but I think also where you put yourself has allowed these doors to open and it, it's not because of luck. I mean, there's also luck in anything. And that's because I think if you have that outlook of anything is possible, uh, I will push myself to the boundaries. Doors start to open. And that's when I think this quote unquote luck happens. It's us allowing these doors or seeing these doors to open. So it's, it's really cool, man, that you have these opportunities. And I think it's, uh, it's very awesome to have that type of level of support and, um, to continue to push yourself. It's, it's cool to see from the outside. And I'm really grateful that uh, you took some time to, uh, to talk with me about it. Because uh, again, I'm similar where I want to, I want to talk with people that have that proper mindset, have that outlook. So that not only I can learn, but we can you know, use I use this platform to help other people listening, uh, take this type of learnings to apply to what they're currently doing. So yeah, 100%. And I think, um, you know, being able to inspire others in and of itself is um, a great talent that is no, nothing short of hard work. Because, um, you know, like I said, there's, there's a huge uh, gap right now, I think, in between, you know, the, the instant gratification and the hard work um, that comes with truly achieving a goal so you know if there's you know one person i can inspire and help to realize um you know their goal you know that's that's awesome um for me and especially for you trying to you know continually do it not not just do it but replicate it and and make the process better and easier and smoother and more efficient um, is definitely pretty cool. So, um, you know, props to you for, for pursuing that whole thing. Mm -hmm. well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's been great. I've really uh, loved hearing about your story um, and what I'm excited for is to see where this goes next. So if there's anything that uh, people can do, whether it be just to support you through following you on your different channels, how can people, uh, get involved or uh, get in touch with you, Taylor. Yeah, um, I'm I'm an open door. So um, you know, my social media is Taylor One Canfield. Um, that's across all platforms. Uh, send me a message. Um, I generally make time to to reply to everyone that you know sends me a message. Um, so feel free to follow along, ask questions. Um, you know, I don't always have, uh, you know, a ton of time to, to explain, but I'll do the best that I can. Um, and I mean, we're always looking for sponsors. If, if you know somebody, um, a company that wants to get involved, um, reach out to me. Um, let's, let's all get in touch. Um, I'm a hundred percent about giving back. Um, so, you know, a big thing for me is, you know, even if it's not something that's, 
monetarily beneficial to the NASCAR thing. Um, maybe there's, you know, somebody that wants to get involved with the nonprofit, which is, you know, a big driving factor for um, what I do and bettering myself and bettering other people. Um, the nonprofit's called Greenlight Society. Uh, I think on social media, we are the Greenlight Society. Okay. Um, but it's, you know, it's a 501c3. Our primary goal is adrenaline therapy for um, combat wounded vets. So if, if somebody was in a, a combat role and they were wounded physically, mentally, um, we try to take that person again out of that, um, that comfort zone that comes with you know, a, a depressed state or whatever, um, and put, you know, adrenaline back into it and, and show guys that, uh, there's, there's alternate forms of, of healing yourself, um, to get back to, uh, you know, the person that you want to be. So, you know, I, I definitely move forward through NASCAR with that, um, you know, nonprofit very close by my side and uh you know it's 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 a big thing for me to be able to give back it's it's my you know adrenaline's my um therapy but also giving back is my therapy um so definitely reach out if anybody's got interest in that um if you if you lend some words of encouragement that's always great too um so again it doesn't doesn't have to be monetary guys i'm i'm an open door um but yeah uh follow me follow chris um i always try and keep uh keep the social world updated on my life as much as possible there's times that i definitely um reel it in a little bit and put my head down and charge and social media is not always my priority but um i do the best that i can to help others you know have easy access to inspiration for you know whatever they may be doing so um yeah man it's been great i appreciate you having me awesome man and i'll put uh, i'll put all the links to to everything uh nonprofit, um everything with your social into the uh, description as well so that they're there but yeah man it's been it's been great and uh definitely um i'm gonna be back down if hopefully next time i'm down in la we can uh, get together be great to uh, to meet you in person and uh of course meet uh meet nico <laughs> yeah for sure dude stay tuned in we'll we'll stay in touch uh, we got some and we got some big stuff in the works we're we're nothing short of uh the highest goals possible here for um you know a path that everyone said impossible so love it uh, it'll definitely we're 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 about to set off some fireworks so it should be pretty cool love it man awesome i can't wait to watch taylor Thank you so much, my friend. It's been uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you. All right.